Welcome to the Synergy Podcast, your source for small cap investor news, videos, and exclusive interviews on emerging public companies in North America. Joining us today is the president and CEO of Sky Harbor Resources, trading under the ticker symbol SYH on the Venture Exchange, Mr. Jordan Trimble. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Before we dive into it, for the people who may not know about Sky Harbor, can you give a brief description of the company and perhaps a brief description of your project generator model? I think it would be beneficial for the listeners to understand your dual-pronged strategy um, as I know it's a unique model and it's different to a lot of other exploration companies. Absolutely. So for those that aren't familiar with Sky Harbor, we are a high-grade uranium exploration and early stage development company. We have one of the largest land holdings in northern Saskatchewan in the most prolific uranium mining district in the world called the Athabasca Basin. Uh, over the last nine and a half, ten years now, uh, we've built this project portfolio up from nothing to the current uh, 15 projects scattered throughout the Athabasca Basin. The projects range from earlier stage exploration properties that are typically a part of our prospect generator business, as you pointed out, right through to more advanced stage exploration assets, including our two core projects, Russell Lake, uh, which is an advanced stage exploration property on the eastern side of the Athabasca Basin that we've recently optioned from Rio Tinto, bringing them in as a large shareholder and strategic partner. And adjacent to Russell Lake, it has been our existing uh, flagship project, uh, which is called the Moore Lake Project. And this is a property that we acquired from Denison Mines back in 2016. Denison is also a large strategic shareholder of Sky Harbor and their president and CEO Dave Cates uh, is an active director with our company. Moore Lake is the project that we've really been focusing in on over the last five and a half to six years. We've carried out a fair bit of drilling there in addition to the historical drilling and it's yielded high grade drill results upwards of 21% U308 over a meter and a half. So two very good, uh, highly prospective primary projects that we're actively advancing uh, and about a dozen or so other projects that fall into our prospect generator business. Let's talk a little bit about Russell Lake. You recently announced 10,000 meter drill campaign. Um, Jordan, let's talk about the identified drill targets, the strategy and your expectations on this upcoming campaign. For sure. So Russell Lake was a project that uh, we spent a fair bit of time negotiating to uh, transact on. We finally announced the option to acquire up to 100% of this project from Rio Tinto earlier this year. And we're just gearing up for a 10,000 meter fully funded, fully permitted drill program that'll commence first thing in the new year. Um, this project, the history there, it's, it's quite interesting. It was a project that has been around for several decades. It's been worked on by several previous operators, including Rio and Hathor before them. Uh, there's a, a number of zones, perspective uh, zones that we'll be targeting with this 10,000 meter drill program across a very large property area, over 73,000 hectares. The location of this project is also 
very strategic in that it's basically all the ground between the MacArthur River Mine Project, uh, which is owned and operated by Cameco. It's the richest uranium mine in the world. That's to the north of Russell Lake. To the south is the Key Lake Mill, which is the operating mill that processes the ore from MacArthur River. And so that's just to the south. The road that connects the mill to the mine traverses through the western claims of Russell Lake. And then over adjacent to our west is Denison's Wheeler River Project, host of the Phoenix and Griffin deposits. It's a development project that Denison is uh, actively advancing currently towards production. And then, as I mentioned, adjacent to the east of Russell Lake is our our other flagship project, Moore Lake, where we've been actively exploring. So very strategic holding uh, and, and land position for Sky Harbor specifically. Uh, we benefit from a road, power lines, and we've inherited a large exploration camp that will help bring our drill costs down at Russell Lake and at the adjacent Moore Lake project. Uh, the initial targets that we're going to be drill testing here early in the new year are derived from previous targets that have yielded um, results that show there is uranium mineralization both in the sandstone and below in the basement rocks. Uh, these are targets that were drilled previously by operators that went in there and drilled fairly widely spaced drill fences, leaving a lot of room uh, and potential for new discoveries to be made in between the previous drill holes. We've seen in some historical drill results that there's multi-percent, so high-grade uranium mineralization. Uh, it just really hasn't been fully drill tested in a number of these target areas. So uh, we're gonna be starting this program uh, shortly. We're very, very excited. It's a major upcoming catalyst for Sky Harbor. It represents our largest drill campaign in a single season that we've ever carried out. And it'll be uh, a great main catalyst for us over the first six to eight months of uh, of 2023, but it'll also be augmented with news flow from Moore Lake, uh, as well as from uh, half a dozen active uh, partner companies that we have. I mentioned that we, we do have this prospect generator business. We built that up over the last sev uh, several years, and we now have option agreements signed at various other projects, uh, secondary projects that we have in our portfolio. Uh, and these option agreements uh, now total well over $70 million uh, in, dollars in exploration expenditure commitments, cash payments, and share issuances uh, combined to Sky Harbor, assuming that these, these partner companies earn in the full amounts at these respective projects. So just to summarize all of that, uh, we will, in addition to the 10,000 meters that we'll be drilling at our core Russell Lake and Moore Lake projects, we'll, we're expecting to see another 25 to even upwards of 35,000 meters of drilling uh, carried out by these various partner companies over the next 12 months. So a very busy, busy year. Uh, and just to uh, reiterate the significance uh, and re-highlight the significance of, uh, of high-grade uranium discoveries in the Athabasca Basin for the audience that isn't too familiar with 
um, you know, why we go out and why we, we look for these deposits in the basin. You can take a look at some other notable discoveries in the last 15 years, including Next Gen Energy, Fission, ISO Energy, to name a few. Hathor previously, which was the previous operator at Russell Lake. These are all companies that uh, went in and made uh, high-grade uranium discoveries in the Athabasca Basin and collectively generated billions of dollars of returns for investors. So uh, it's uh, these are these are very high return uh, uh, deposits, uh, very high value per ton deposits, and, and hence the reason we go out and we spend the money looking for them. Sounds like a very interesting and exciting campaign. I'm looking forward to seeing the results. Jordan, you know, once this drill campaign is over, assuming all goes accordingly, what are the following steps for Sky Harbor to continue to de-risk and advance Russell Lake? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, first things first, we, you know, this this inaugural 10,000 meter drill program will, will show us a lot um, and, and we will determine what the next steps will be after uh, we, we get the results from, from this program in the new year. Uh, there's no lack of targets at Russell Lake. I think that's important to highlight as well. It's, as I said, a very large land position. Uh, there, there has been a fair bit of historical drilling, but uh, fairly widely spread uh, drilling and exploratory drilling over the last 20 or so years. So there's lots of room and lots of potential, upside potential for new discoveries. And so we really, really have no lack of targets there. We are looking at um, uh, bringing, working with several outside groups to help refine these targets going forward. Uh, but really, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're of the belief, we're confident that we can deliver a new high-grade uranium discovery at this project relatively quickly. And if we're successful in doing that, uh, then it becomes a matter of delineating and expanding that resource uh, into a deposit. Obviously, then you're talking about resource estimates and, and thereafter about economic studies. And so, you know, if we can if we can deliver that, if we can accomplish that in a relatively short period, I mean, that's the you know, that's the holy grail really at the end of the day. And it'll be a very exciting time for the shareholders and, and for the stakeholders of Sky Harbor. Over the last year, you know, we've sort of seen a perfect situation occur for a, a significant increase in global uranium demand. As we both know, Western countries are putting a little bit more emphasis on nuclear energy. Um, of course, with the Russia geopolitical conflict, high European energy prices, um, and even the Canadian government pledging nearly $1 billion towards nuclear, you know, these are all big steps. However, prices have come down significantly after rallying in the summer and again in October. Jordan, where do you see the demand for uranium heading uh, going into 2023? Yeah, so I mean, look, the market, uh, to summarize that, I'd say the market has been volatile. Um, it, you know, depending on um, how far out you zoom on that chart, um, you know, if we look at the uranium price in 2016 and 2017, it was around $20 a pound. And so we're obviously up from those prices. But if you look at it even further back in 2010, 2011, when it was $70 a pound, and then in 06 and 07, when it, when it reached $135 a pound, we're still uh, in, in a historical context at relatively low prices around uh, $50 a pound here. And, 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 you know, there's lots to unpack with that. Um, you know, I, I'd start with, uh, you know, the underlying supply demand fundamentals. Um, you know, I've never been as bullish on this metal, on this commodity as I am right now. The supply demand fundamentals um, are really 
setting the stage for what I think will be a major bull run here over the next several years with this metal and with this commodity. Uh, if you look at the, the demand side, as is, is you ask here, where, where do I see the demand headed going into 2023? Needless to say, I see the demand continuing to grow. This really is becoming more of a growth story on the demand side. Big part of this is the fact that nuclear energy as the only source of baseload emissions-free, reliable, safe, and scalable electricity generation, the sentiment around nuclear has drastically improved in the last several years, and that's leading to increasing demand globally. We've seen pretty much any every government out there uh, that uh, has a civilian nuclear program either double down on their existing fleet of nuclear reactors and the expansion of those reactors uh, and or countries like Germany, like Japan, like South Korea, uh, uh, even France a few years ago that were looking at either uh, uh, leaning off of nuclear um, or just slowly phasing it out or decreasing the amount of nuclear capacity. These countries have all made major reversals in their energy policies over the last several years. And there's a number of reasons for that. It's a a very long discussion we can we can have, but I think we can we can summarize the growing demand uh, and improving fundamentals in three major buckets or themes, if you will. So uh, we'll start with clean energy. Um, clean energy has obviously been um, a hot button topic, and as I pointed out, nuclear. Uh, accounts for about 10% uh, or almost 11% of electricity uh, generation globally, but it's a major, a major amount of uh, clean electricity generation globally. Over 50% of clean electricity in the United States is nuclear. So when you look at uh, clean energy and uh, hand in hand with that um, decarbonization and decarbonization objectives globally, there really is no pathway to carbon neutrality without nuclear playing a significant role in the energy mix going forward. So that's one. Two, uh, and closely tied to clean energy, is just the electrification that we're seeing globally. So as the world goes more digital, as we need more electricity, um, uh, that uh, and, and we know that there is a direct, direct link between uh, standard of living and cost of electricity um, uh, globally. We, and again, so as we see electrification globally, especially in the developing world, we need large amounts of not intermittent electricity like most renew like renewable energies, but large amounts of clean baseload electricity generation. And again, nuclear energy checks that box. Uh, and then the third major trend that we that we are seeing uh, that is really, I think, going to be a key driver for uranium prices uh, going forward is energy security. Uh, and what I mean by that is we are seeing a move towards somewhat of deglobalization right now. We've obviously seen the conflict and war in Russia and Ukraine, uh, and, and we're seeing uh, governments want to source critical minerals and metals domestically or from uh, allied states and uranium is a, a, a metal that is mined globally, but there are high concentrations 
of production and supply coming from very specific parts of the world. So if we look at the primary mine supply uh, of uranium globally, over 40% of primary mine supply is from Kazakhstan, a previous Soviet uh, state, uh, and another 10% or so comes from Russia and Uzbekistan. So that's over 50% of primary mine supply coming from those three nations. And when you look at Western nuclear utilities, relying on these countries for fuel for their nuclear reactors. Five, ten years ago, that there was no problem there. Needless to say, with the conflict uh, over the last eight or nine months, that is changing. Uh, interestingly enough, uranium, um, given that the West has been so heavily dependent on uranium as the fuel for nuclear reactors, it's one of the few commodities that hasn't been sanctioned yet by the West. Russia hasn't been sanctioned yet by the West. And I think that's yet to come here. There have been uh, some Western utilities that have self-sanctioned and they are moving away from being heavily reliant on these Eastern suppliers. Um, but that creates an opportunity for Western companies, Western explorers, developers, and producers, Western companies like Sky Harbor Resources. Um, the Athabasca Basin, it's the highest grade depository of uranium in the world. Uh, there are uh, lots of reserves there. Uh, the production from the basin has, um, hasn't has uh, been increasing. However, we need to see higher prices. We need to see uh, investment coming into the basin, but it can serve as a reliable, safe source, secure supply of nuclear fuel, of uranium going forward for Western nuclear utilities. And, and so that's really uh, a big, I'd see as an opportunity for Western uranium companies. So uh, energy uh, security um, and, uh, and, and security of supply of uranium, I think you're going to see the market continue to bifurcate East and West. Um, and if you look at the East, uh, getting back to the demand side, the largest uh, up and coming consumer of uranium is uh, going to be China. China is building 150 nuclear power plants uh, over the next 15 years. They need the clean, reliable source of emissions free baseload electricity that nuclear provides. 150 nuclear power plants going up in China in the next 15 years is more nuclear capacity coming on in China in the next 15 years than has come on globally in the last 35. Uh, and then you have other countries like India, uh, parts of the Middle East, uh, even some countries in Africa and Southeast Asia that are looking at uh, uh, building uh, a nuclear, a civilian nuclear fleet. So the demand is continuing to grow. Uh, in the West, I think we'll see a lot more demand come from uh, what are called small modular reactors, SMRs. Uh, in fact, Canada just uh, announced, uh, uh, well, the Canadian Infrastructure Bank announced a $970 million uh, loan uh, to um, uh, finance the construction of the first small modular reactor in Ontario. We There's lots of talks of SMRs uh, and the commercialization of SMRs in the UK, in the US and other parts of the West. So uh, bottom line is this is really a growth story on the demand side, uh, but the supply side has been constrained um, over the last five and a half, six years, initially from low uranium prices. It was then further constrained by COVID and supply disruptions. Uh, and then finally, uh, with the with geopolitical tensions globally, uh, we're seeing an even further uh, constrained market. And so when you have 100 and 
90 to 200 million pounds of annual demand and growing, and you're, you're only producing 140 to 150 million pounds of primary mine supply, and you're relying on secondary supplies and inventories to meet that difference, uh, that is setting the stage for a major outbreak, uh, a major breakout uh, in the uranium price going forward. And I think we do see that come to fruition here uh, in 2023. That was a fantastic description. Jordan, always great to catch up. Lastly, where can investors and listeners find out more about Sky Harbor? Yeah, the best place to go is our website, www.skyharborltd.com. On the website, we have all the information you need on the various projects, uh, including our our main projects of Moore and Russell Lake, as well as um, our seven partner-funded projects. Again, as we talked about earlier, uh, we have um, a significant amount of funding and news flow coming in from partners at various other secondary projects we have. We're really now a one-stop shop for high-grade uranium exploration and discovery potential in the Athabasca Basin uh, across a diversified project base uh, with uh, partners funding a good chunk of, of that exploration and advancement at the projects. Uh, so take a, a, a look at our website. Uh, you can also read up on our management, uh, which um, is a great mix of uh, focused geological and technical expertise uh, with our geological team based in Saskatoon. Uh, They've been working up in the basin for many, many decades, uh, and we've coupled that with very strong management and a board of directors um, that uh, have built and sold mining companies uh, previously. Uh, And you can also take a look at some of our notable and larger shareholders as well. Once again, thank you for your time, Jordan. Thank you very much.